Did you try the drink? I did. It's quite good. Doesn't really taste like brandy. No, no. I got this. Um, I'll say it on the show. Let's, three, two, one. <laughs> I hate That's it terrible. so much. So many, so many, so many damn books. Books, you know? Books. We have opinions about them. And that's why we have this podcast. It's called So Many Damn Books. I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. And it's just us. It's good to see you. You too. This is our this is the last time that we're doing this podcast close by, as far as we know. Yeah, for the time being. Anyway, yeah. For the time being. See, that is a good. That was an amazing tale for the time being? Yeah. Yeah. Tournament of Books Discovery. How do you how do you say that the title of that tale for the time being or tale for the time being? I say um, T F T T B. All right. We are just going to talk about the tournament of books, the super rooster. I was going to say, it's not just the tournament of books, Christopher. That happens in March. This is the super rooster. It's um, the long posited for many, many years. Yeah, we've, we, we have been saying that this is a possibility and it'd be, they'd be fools not to do it. <laughs> as soon as they got to 16 books that they could have a full field of their own choices to go up against each other. Yeah. And of course they're doing it. And honestly, it couldn't come at a more welcome time. <laughs> I know, seriously. I would, I, w- I would love to fight about books in the morning um, every day of, of October. Yeah, right? Yeah. But wait, before we do this. Oh yeah, we were gonna do the other things. Yeah. You got what you've you've made us a drink in honor of the rooster, but it's not a sriracha cocktail again. Oh my god! For those who don't know, one of our, one one year, I tried to do because sriracha is also known as rooster sauce. Um, I tried to do a run of cocktails for the tournament of books that all included sriracha in some fashion, and I made some truly heinous drinks. <laughs> um, but I also made a couple really good ones. I, I highly recommend it, adding it to your next Bloody Mary mix. You know, you, you miss 100% you of the shots you don't take. Yeah, but it was very good. <laughs> this drink, um, I'm calling it Prognostication Fuel. And it's uh, Douglas Fir Brandy, Ooh. Cointreau, and Fresh Squeezed Lemon Juice. So... A lot of you at home, I know, are screaming it all around you. That's a sidecar. He he made a sidecar. You're just screaming and screaming, and you can calm down. I know it's a sidecar. <laughs> um, but this is a Douglas fir brandy, so it's yeah. my own spin. And um, I obtained this bottle from uh, this very beloved bar slash bakery uh, just closed, Butter and Scotch. Um, oh, yes. down the street from us. Oh, one of my absolute favorite places in the world. It was where Sarah and I had our first date. And oh. I'm very sad that it's closing, although they've opened up a different bakery location. So they're just fine. 
And I've actually also heard that the rent in that place was sort of prohibitive anyway. So ultimately, I think a good move. So yeah. I don't have to feel too sad about looting their larders. They sold their, their um, you know, old alcohol. And oh, so I got this sure. Douglas fir brandy. And I was thinking about how, you know, trees stand the test of time. And often that is what you're looking at for a book in in thinking of award worthiness will mm -hmm. this book matter in 10 years or 20 years and and because that's what an award is about right it's about like choosing this and saying like this will be mentioned uh for the for the time to come yeah yeah i mean remember is, um, is that the you're choosing a book for longevity right yeah remember when uh i think it was when Kathleen Donahoe was on the show, we read that Alice McDermott book, Charming Billy, that had won the National Book Award in like 1985 or something. And neither of us had ever heard of it. Nope. So, you know. How so many... obviously awards don't really matter sometimes. <laughs> but this award will. Absolutely will. It's the, it's the most important literary award in the world because it doesn't matter at all. Yes. Paradoxically, that's what makes it the most important literary award. And boy, I love a paradox. <laughs> Almost as much as I love two docs. So that's the drink. It's 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 a sidecar with has has these notes of Douglas fir in it. Um and it has this sort of because it's been infused with Douglas fir or something or other essence, um, it has a sort of tree pininess to it yeah it's really nice and it's a little green it's um, very autumnal yes and since it's autumn now it is we're recording this on the uh meteorological first day of fall which oh, as we exciting. all know is actually the 21st full day of fall the first day of fall being my birthday september 1st do we all know that <laughs> yeah you know one time my intern um thoroughly humiliated me by polling uh, her Instagram following about whether or not fall started on September 1st or on the equinox. And it was like overwhelming. Not only were people like, yeah, it's the equinox. They were like, what fucking moron doesn't think it starts. On the <laughs> and I, uh, I've honestly, I've never felt more embarrassed in my entire life. Uh. Well, maybe we can the embarrass kids, ourselves. The kids—they know how to do it, you know. They know even how to further shame by um, getting our prognostication all wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, as we often do. Before we get to discussing, um, you know, the chance of fever dream to go all the way, um, why don't we do our normal? What'd you? Buy? Oh yeah, some uh, some what'd you buy? <laughs> What did you buy, Drew? So books? I have three books uh, that I have been thinking about for a while, and I've actually, at this point, even read a couple of them. But they're all—they're just like all three of them are very exciting fall releases. First uh, is this book, Hench, by Natalie Zena Walshots. Um, it just got a lovely review from former guest of the show, Aaron Summers, in the New York Times. Very cool. Um, it's. It's like if Hillary Lecter's temporary had a section where they're temping for supervillains 
but that was the whole book. It's like there's a temp agency for supervillains and for superheroes. Normally to be like, maybe it's to be proper like muscle henchmen. Um, but oftentimes it's also just like, I don't know, they need people to crunch the numbers and like help them come up with evil schemes. Okay. Uh, it takes this premise and runs with it and manages to both be a searing indictment of capitalism and like the present way that we embrace work while also delivering all of the thrills of a Marvel movie. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's the, it's the only one of my, what you buy that I've read, but I really, I loved it so much reading it in a galley that I went out and ordered a finished copy. Cause it was just, it was a lot of fun. Um, wow. the two other books I've got, which I know next to nothing about one is the great offshore grounds by Vanessa Veselka. Uh, that was just, Long listed for the National Book Award. I love an alliterative author name. And then the final book I actually am thinking of, speaking of beloved uh, restaurants and establishments that have closed or are closing, mm. we just found out that Egg Restaurant um, in Williamsburg is closing. By the time you're hearing this, it'll have it'll be closed. It closes at the end of September. Um, and Evan Hanser has brought so many very wonderful things and people and tastes into my life. Uh, but one of them is an author reached out to us, Natalka Burian. Um, she's also a restaurateur in New York, and she's got a novel out called Daughters of the Wild. Mm. Um, it looks a little bit spooky. There's something about a, a vine that is maybe sentient or something in like a sort of Southern Gothic way. I'm excited, I'm so excited about, about it. Yeah, I'm crazy excited about this book because you know, and it's also... one of those things where when a friend also tells you like, "Oh, hey, my friend is going to reach out. Their book's really good." You're like, "Hell yeah, give it to me." <laughs> she runs a bunch of bars, like so. And I remember one of one of her bars used to have a a big like inspired by co uh, literature list. Cool. Yeah. Well, how about you? What are you reading? What did you buy? Um, I bought. So I got really intrigued by this um, book that the New York Review of Book Classics put out um, called Novels in Three Lines by Felix Fenion. It's translated and with an introduction by Luke Sante. And uh, it's very, it's very interesting. Um, okay. Basically, this guy hid this manuscript um, Felix was a dandy anarchist and critic of genius. He discovered George Seurat and the first, and he was the first French publisher of James Joyce. Wow. And so he, but he tre treasured his anonymity. And this was only uh, discovered after he died, um, I believe. Wow. And it's just he felt like there were all of these moments in newspapers that was like you could write an entire novel from these three lines from a newspaper. Um, and they're just little stubs. Cool. Um, that sounds great. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, these are little, I mean, they're like a few sentences, but there's always something like truly like pleasurable about the lines. Um, I also, we got sent um, talent, The Talented Miss Farwell by mm -hmm. Emily Gray Treadwell, which, of course, she's courting the comparison 
of talented Mr. Ripley. Um, but this is more of like a embezzling art heist Ooh, story okay. instead of um, murder. A little bit and, of like Thomas Crown meets Ripley. Yeah, except for it's more about like truly like living two lives. You know, in, Ooh, in one okay. life, she's um, Becky and she, you know, works as a city treasurer, basically. And in another life, she's Reba and she's this crazy um, art collector. And one fuels the other. And it's a very interesting and very like, you just re you're, you're just waiting for it all to come unraveled. Cool. Um, and then one more thing I got Memorial by Brian Washington, which I'm really excited about. The buzz on this book is huge. Um, and it's just like the dissolution of a, of a relationship. Um, and I'm fascinated by novels about that. So great, man. Yeah. Speaking of Evan Hanser and tables of contents, there was supposed to be a big dinner for Memorial in God, I think it was April or May. They were going to do one of the big, like, full-course meals. That is really sad. Yeah. So does that mean the novel was due out in spring and it got pushed? No, they were doing it as a pre-pub thing. I think uh, every every ticket, you got a galley. And oh, it would, like, cool. galleys had just come out or something like that. Although I do think that might have it might have been pushed back from where it was supposed to come out. Who knows? Time has no meaning anymore. I'm so sad with all these restaurants closing. It just feels like, you know, like we're going to come through at the other end of this. It's just like, what's going to be left? Yeah, man. Just like Applebee's. <laughs> You'll walk outside in New York, city of anarchy, and it's just an Applebee's <laughs> on every corner. God, I'm sad. Let's look into the past. Um, yes. The past talk. and the future. Oh, yeah. But let's look to the future by looking in the past. So the Super Rooster, if you don't know, there's been the tournament of books going for 16 years at this point, which is old enough to drive. Insane. Um, I haven't been following it for the full 16 years, but I've been following it for a good number of them. And yeah. looking back as, as I look at the bracket, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's uh, I was there for number five. Yeah, I think I started reading. Um. A visit from the Goon Squad was my first year. Nice. And so each year, there's they've been doing these brackets, and they've come up with sixteen winners. And uh, it's been pretty good at predicting Pulitzer winners. Um, yeah, I mean, there it's fun too because it's not only has it been good at that. At the same time, it's also been good at highlighting, particularly in the last several years, highlighting undersung books or books mm -hmm. that were never going to win the Pulitzer or the National Book Award or something. You know, My Sister the Serial Killer, um, The Good Lord Bird. Well, I guess that won the National Book Award. The Sisters Brothers. I think that the the one of the big lessons to me of the tournament of books is one, of course, um, is awards are random and <laughs> the, the um, criteria used to choose a winner the year before won't necessarily make sense for choosing the winner the next year 
and yep. how odd it is to be comparing something like I don't know, like the Sisters Brothers, uh, to any other book, really, mm-hmm. to Freedom or something. You know, like it's it's very strange. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's one of the big things that I learned. And then the other thing that I learned is that often actually what won an award wasn't the most interesting thing. Um, it wasn't the thing that it captured your imagination the most. It's just this thing that has the weird criteria of being good at what it does. And also that thing that it's doing being something that resonates with a lot of people. Right. I mean, and it's, so for anybody who, the the few of you who are maybe listening to this episode who have never listened to a previous So Many Damn Books Rooster episode, let alone are familiar with the Tournament of Books, the thing that makes this work and the way in which it is different and sort of pointedly different is that there are judges who read the two books and then write a judgment about it. Uh, and then they're all called together at the very end to choose between the two finalists. And it it really does sort of lay bare the individual vagaries that come into why a person would choose one book over another in a way that, you know, there was all that hubbub about the booker when uh, Margaret Atwood and Bernadine Evaristo won together the other, what was that, last year? Two mm-hmm. years ago? And they were like, oh, well, we couldn't possibly tell you why we decided to have two. And the whole thing about the rooster is like, yeah, no, you have to tell why you're choosing one over the other. And sometimes it's like, I don't know, I had a bad day when I read this book. I don't know, this one went farther when I threw them both down the stairs, you know? Uh, that one makes people furious. But I think that there is something to like, you know, I had a babysitter while I read this one and I didn't have a babysitter while I read the other one. And maybe that has something to do with the reason why I'm advancing it. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I kind of love the honesty on display um, in all of these decisions. And I'm, mm-hmm. it's what I'm most looking forward to. Like, you know, all of our prognostication and our choices and the fun sort of sportsiness of it, it does not really hold a candle to the actual reading of a judgment. And, you know, some, some judges are fantastic of stringing you along and making you think like oh this other one's oh wow they're saying so many nice things about this one ah, oh <laughs> <laughs> there's a weird um you know vocalizations that that occur yeah. with this sort of thing so okay the so 16 what are we doing? books yeah cloud atlas by david mitchell the accidental by ali smith which we just read and talked about not but a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Road by Cormac McCarthy. The Brief Wondrous Life of Oscar Wilde by Juno Diaz. Mm-hmm. Mercy by Toni Morrison. Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantel. Visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan. Sisters Brothers by Patrick DeWitt. The Orphan Master's Son by Adam Johnson. The Good Lord Bird by James McBride. Station Eleven, Emily St. John Mandel. Sellout by Paul Beatty. Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. Fever Dream by Samantha Schweblin. My Sister the Serial Killer by Owen Ken Braithwaite. And finally, most recently, and arguably most divisively, Normal People by Sally Rooney. Those 16 books have been matched up in... Okay, I have feelings about this. I have pretty strong feelings about this. They've been matched up chronologically. Yeah, so, so one is against two, two is against three, which 
I remember in talking about this, one of the things that I was kind of excited about is for having a book that's 16 years old go up against a book that's one year old. Yeah. Intrigues me as far as a comparison, but I get that like it's really hard to do the seeds this time. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's got to be thinking behind it. Because... I think it's probably just it. it's the easiest in some ways to do it where you get to you're not worrying about the thing that we also potentially find interesting of like, what would it be like to put normal people up against Cloud Atlas um, or Oscar Wow up against? Oh, my God. Oscar Wow would have gone up against the Underground Railroad. Um, I mean, Oscar Wilde going up against anything is there's only one way for that judgment to go, but that's a different story. I think there's something, there's something to the idea of you might reading a book from 16 years ago, be inclined to pick the newer book because of how the world has changed. And how writing has changed. I mean, over 16 years, that's enough time for writing yeah. itself. Like how, popular fiction is delivered will have changed. I mean, we were just, we were just talking about Ali Smith and I, in the time since we've recorded that episode and got to this, uh, I read the final book in her seasonal quartet. And those, those four books are incredible. It's one of the best literary achievements that I've ever experienced in my life. And the accidental is fine. I loved it, but I well, but it's the saying. kind of thing where, you know, it won the tournament of books 15 years ago and not one of the four seasonal books has made it onto the bracket in the last four years. Like literature has changed in a way that I think is, it's interesting. Mm. I, and so I see what you're saying. I get why they did this. Even if I do, I do. I wish there was, and, and, you know, in some ways there, there are those knockdown drag out fights that yeah. happen that will happen down the line, but yes. we don't get to see, you know, so the right side of the bracket is more recent than the left side of the bracket. Mm -hmm. So it, the really, the only big fight is between is at the very end at the very end, because also a change from how the rooster normally works. There's still a zombie round. Usually with the rooster, the zombie round is everybody gets to vote on whichever book from the shortlist they loved the most. The top two vote getters that have been previously knocked out of the tournament rise from their graves, hungry for blood, <laughs> and try to kill again. Right. Um, this time, and this I really love, because this, this feels like it adds absolute fucking pure 2020 chaos to the proceedings. The zombies will be the book's that the finalists beat in their winning matchup. Right. Which is just, it's, it's like a bonkers thing to say. And if you are not familiar with the tournament, even if you are familiar with the tournament, it's a little bit of like, wait, what? <laughs> um, but you know, like if let's say cloud Atlas makes it to the finals before that, it's going to have to go up against the plot against America by Philip Roth the book that it beat 16 years ago. Right. So like some of these zombies are going to be really quite moldy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see what 
longtime friend of the show, Will Chancellor, does between Toni Morrison and Hilary Mantel. I mm-hmm. think that's a fun pairing and a, and a great judge for that matchup for sure. I mean, and you've been, and I also, we're, we both follow Roxanne Gay on Goodreads. Oh, yeah. And so, listen, friends at the uh, Rooster, I'm just going to go out there and say that as I did in 2012, when I happened to be following Lev Grossman on Twitter and he said something that he shouldn't have about a matchup, months ago, I happened to note that Roxanne Gay rated a book that she had previously not had any experience with. And I was like, oh, that's funny. I wonder um, wonder what that's all about. I mean, anybody who's looking at the bracket and listening to this will be like, oh, I know which of the two books it is. Uh Um, I'm I'm giving. uh, No, you know what? Screw it. This is coming out close enough to the game and everything. She happened to really enjoy Sisters Brothers. But here's the thing that I think I, I, I agree with you. That I mean, I've I saw her rate Sisters Brothers highly and rate Visit from the Goon Squad, not so highly, right? I saw that too. Although but the Goon Squad rating is many years old, that's the thing. Yeah, that's one thing is that the Goon Squad rating rating is many years old. Also, the way that you personally feel about the book isn't necessarily the same reason that you will judge a book and move it forward. Oh, very true. So even though there's a ratings, a Goodreads rating disparity, I don't think that that's as locked and loaded and sure as when you discovered Lev Grossman giving up the the (laughs) straight up, just giving away a zombie level decision. But yeah, I mean, it's really that it's really funny that, that that's right out there in the open. And that's the other thing about this is like, I bet you we could, you could game out some of these people there. Some of these um, writers are, these judges are very Twitter mm-hmm. involved. Some have public good reads. Like, I feel like if you wanted to, you could truly do a lot of research. And it's pretty fun when you're looking at a mashup matchup and you're like, okay, Merritt Tierce. Yeah. She wrote, who wrote that novel, Love Me Back. And think about you know that was a very close um very tight short novel um and what does that mean for her reading proclivities (laughs) Um, will she not like something really long like wolf hall um which is what i have getting that far or will she like something a little tighter yeah um because that's what she likes to write. I mean, that's that's the that's the fun of this whole game. So we shared some like snap judgment brackets a little while ago. Yeah, and... at the beginning of September on Twitter, which yeah. I had the sellout winning the whole thing. Over what? Do you remember? Wolf Hall. Mm. I had goon squad over the underground railroad in a nail biter but now honestly i think i'm i'm gonna follow the goodreads gut here that goon squad's gonna go down in the first round uh-huh. which totally throws the left side of the bracket into chaos for me um i like all of a sudden hearing you talk about like oh yeah right merit tears did write a like a close intimate short kind of novel like 
the accidental could go all the way. Yeah. Got a decent shot, you know? Well, that would mean just Zimmerman. That, well, that means DT Max moves it forward. And what I know about him is he wrote a book about David Foster Wallace. Mm. So I feel like the Cloud Atlas has a pretty good shot because it's sure. a fractured novel. Um, but, but also, the accidental also has the Ally Smith, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's. And this it's, is. So you can start getting very conspiracy theory here with the board and the pins and the red yarn. Yeah. It's all Pepe Sylvia. That's who. <laughs> <laughs> that's who is going to win. 10 years ago, Nazli Samazadeh said this thing on Twitter that leads me to believe that in a <laughs> final, she would choose the road over Fever Dream, but only if it's that pairing because. Otherwise, this other thing, they yeah. find us three days later in a cave, just like <laughs> scratching things on walls. How did we get into the cave? Who knows? Why is there a rooster here? I think it's interesting looking back at something like the, you know, how different these books are. I mean, like Fever Dream is so, so, so different than Wolf Hall. Yeah. And Orphan Master's Son is so, so, so different than the Sisters Brothers. Um, I almost think like, the orphan master's son was a course correction. Like, whoa, I got really weird after Sisters Brothers. Like, <laughs> we got to go back to the to the surefire Pulitzer Prize winning one. Having Fever Dream versus Underground Railroad right at the top of, um, not at the top, but on on this in the second first side round of the bracket, yeah, is really ooh. That's that's a tough one because that's there's, a tough one. There's so such different ideas of what a novel is. Yeah, um, you know, some of these are more similar. Like I feel like I actually think Orphan Master's Son and Good Lord Bird have a lot in common. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I know, mean, you're right. You can see trends in a way that are, you know, it's only because you're putting 16 books next to each other and then kind of asking to find trends. Well, and winners have gotten shorter. I mean, yeah, my sister, the serial killer, and Fever Dream, and Normal People; those are all pretty short books. Even Underground Railroad isn't as long as something like Cloud Atlas or Orphan Master's Son, even though it's a it's a historical novel. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is about historical novels, but they trend towards long. You got to explain it, Christopher. <laughs> you got to do all the and stuff. <laughs> or what they like, did without the computers like. <laughs> <laughs> can you yeah it's funny how wolf hall starts with thomas cromwell didn't have a computer so it was really fun <laughs> i think it's really fun to see the zombies um the it's such a weird alternate history list well i think wolf hall versus the lacuna is a strange fight um and yeah. so is the sellout and the Turner House because I also think those those are also like those are two novels that are kind of fighting about how you tell a story. Yeah, for sure. I've read most of the finalists. I realize I think the only ones, the only one I know absolutely nothing about is Tom Piazza's City of Refuge. Don't I don't even know what that book is. But I think the only other one I haven't read is uh, the Sam Lipsite book, Homeland. That's a great book. It's about a um, a guy returning to 
a high school reunion. Ooh. And he had a horrible, horrible time in high school. So you're sort of wondering why he's going back. Um, Sold. Yeah, it's good. And it's sort of harrowing. As and I it imagine, really, um, it if really, my school ever had a reunion, my high school yeah. ever had a reunion, it would be. I, I, I heard of my school having one for um, 10 years and just thought, nah. Facebook yeah. has shown I don't need to see most of these people ever. <laughs> The sellout, I think, is the winner. Looking at this. That's interesting. I could the, see that for sure. The I books think I most if, enjoyed from this list are A Visit from the Goon Squad, The Sisters Brothers, and The Station Eleven. I, I most enjoyed as just a reading experience alone. Those two. Sure. What, about you, what are your top three from these? I think my top three are probably... Oof. That's tough, man. Goon Squad for sure. Probably Wolf Hall. And I think Underground Railroad. Mm. Although it's tough because I could also put Cloud Atlas there. I haven't read Cloud Atlas in years, but I do love David Mitchell. But I also love Colson Whitehead, so it's like who knows? Um I um I have such I I've I haven't read Cloud Atlas. I've the that Cloud Atlas and Wolf Hall are the two from this list that I haven't read. Ooh. Um I can't really imagine getting to either one. But I did see the movie of Cloud Atlas. Woof. And they gave it their all. I'll say that. They really they didn't leave any stone unturned. It's just yes. an unfilmable book, I assume. Yeah, that's very true. I'm I'm trying to put together like a prognostication right now because that's what that's what we get paid to do. Um, <laughs> that's what we get paid the big bucks. I think honestly, if I'm looking at it now with this this newfound wrinkle of the sisters brothers beating Goon Squad, I could see a final that is either the sellout or the Underground Railroad versus the accidental and i think that that to me is like in a way here's the full if you read two books from these 16 books to understand what has won the rooster over the course of the last 16 years those two books wouldn't be a bad place to do it Mm -hmm. one is a historical novel that has a little a little bit of weirdness to it the other is a like traditional uh, a seemingly traditional present tense novel that has some weirdness to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like the unifying factor of all 16 of these books is that every single one of them has something decidedly fucking weird about it. <laughs> you know, whether yeah. that is like a, a, the a literal underground railroad in place of the historical one mm-hmm. or cloud atlas where you're thrown hundreds of years into the future into a weird huxleyan tech dystopia the only um the only book that i feel like i'm i'm not even considering with the amount of weight that it has 
um, to the greater populace is the road. I, yeah. I don't, I'm not a Cormac McCarthy person. I don't enjoy his work, um, although I've tried. And I didn't enjoy the road, but I think it has new resonance <laughs> with the pandemic. Yeah. And I think having, I don't know, I, I feel like, and, and, and it's also very powerful. You know, it was powerful when it came out. Yeah, um, I cried when I read that book, man. And I I think if you haven't read it and you've only know it from its uh, reputation, that it could sort of knock you flat because like reputation doesn't really paint how how strong um, Cormac McCarthy can be. Um, and so that's the one that I feel like I I don't like it, so I'm just not even considering it. Um, but I really think that that could go all the way. I think I'm when I'm thinking about like I don't like it and I haven't even tried it. Um, is Wolf Hall? It's just for some reason there's something about that. That I'm just like Ugh, I probably won't um, enjoy that. Thomas Cromwell historical fiction just seems like it wouldn't work for me. Um, it's funny. I think you would be. I think it would win you over. But in the same breath, um, I found the mirror and the light to be a total letdown. So yeah, so the rooster loves to surprise. It sure does. It's you know what it's gonna be. It's gonna be fucking fever dream again. City of <laughs> Refuge by Tom Piazza, and everybody's gonna be like, "What?" <laughs> it's gonna be fun. We'll be in the comments. We'd love to see you there. In the meantime, yo yeah, should we recommend some things for folks? In the to- times they are mean, aren't they? Yes unrelentingly so yeah let's recommend some things that makes the time disappear what do you got um, i flipped for a book for the first time in a long time um I've been reading some duds recently or things that just didn't catch me. And I completely blame my state of mind and not the books at all because state of mind is very real. Um, and you bring your everything that you're experiencing to every time you read a book. Um, but I'm reading the memory. I read the memory police by Yoko Ogawa and Holy cow. Cool. It's, it's about, um, it's this Island where things disappear and when those things disappear, uh, you have to get rid of all of your record of it as well. Um, and you, and then there's sort of a collective forgetting. But okay. if you don't forget, if you can't forget, the memory police come and they take you away. All right. And, and so you're following this woman who's lost both her parents to it. Her mom was a sculpture artist and, um, you know, was taken away by the memory police and her father died a more natural death, but he was an ornithologist until they disappeared the birds. Um, okay. And so, and, but that's the sort of thing it's, it's these details that um, are almost short story like to me where it's just like, Oh yeah. And we all just, the roses disappeared. Yeah. And sometimes you wake up and you feel like the air is different and something's wrong, but you're not sure what it'll be. And so you're like looking around and, and the main character that you're following is a novelist. 
And so she's always worried about what if novels get disappeared too. And, uh, oh, I, I was amazed that this sort of very speculative, strange um, idea could be carried through for a novel. And then uh, the main conflict comes from she's de she decides to hide someone who can remember everything. They haven't forgot anything with everybody else. There's this really sort of graying out and they can't remember what things are. Um, but there's this guy who does remember everything. So she decides to help hide him from the memory police. Wow. Okay. And it's cool. very, of course, connected to now and like, what else are they going to take away from us? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's also just beautiful and sad and um, kind of funny and it's so stark. I, I, I just, uh, I, I devoured it. I, it took me like, I, re I read the first 15 pages and I was like, that's pretty weird. And then I read the next 15 and that was really weird. And then I read the next 300, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I just had to find out what it was, what was going on and how it was going to play out. And it's, that's um, awesome. It's, I I've talked about it a lot now, but whew, go read it. It's just incredible. Cool. That's it. That's, That's my recommendation. I'm going to recommend one thing because I loved it so much. And I, I want there to be, I want everyone to be like, wow, that's, <laughs> I'm going to do it because I, I really think that it will catch you by surprise, even if you're a little on the fence about it. Cool. All right. Um, I have two things to recommend. One is a book and one is a thing. I'll do the thing first because it's short and it's weird. Okay. If you are a citizen of, Twitter, you, at least because this is how I found it, you may have seen people tweeting about what is hypothetically a typo, people tweeting about blaze ball or blase ball. Okay. Um, just it's, it's baseball, but with an L B L A S E B A L L. Just, um, I'm not even really going to tell anybody too much of what it is. Just go to blazeball.com okay it is if anybody out there has read robert coover's the universal baseball association j henry wall proprietor um it's a little bit of that it's like it's a fake sports it's a fake baseball league that's happening it's playing out with like players and some sort of like weird night veil vale style weirdness that's happening in the background there's peanuts and you can bet on games. I don't really understand what's going on, but I am riveted. Um, Very nice. Okay. Blazeball. Blazeball. The book, I wanted to stand up and applaud when I finished this book. I loved it so much. Um, it is a tour essential that has just come out. It's called The Dragon Waiting by John M. Ford. Mm. There was a slate piece about a year, year and a half ago that was talking about how this author, John M. Ford, is like this beloved speculative fiction fantasy author who has more or less gone out of print. And like, why? Mm -hmm. And it was this really in-depth piece and the sort of the bumper at the end was like, it turns out he's coming back. Um, Tor is going to start bringing him back into print. This book is 
set during the Wars of the Roses, with the lead up to for the Shakespeare nerds out there, uh, it's it follows basically Richard the Third's ascension to the English throne. Everything else is different. The the Byzantine Empire is ascendant, like the the um, the Second Roman Empire essentially never went away. Constantine and Justinian, instead of choosing the mystery cult of Jesus, they were like, you know what? Religious plurality or plurality is the thing. What if every religion gets to keep? So Christianity is there. The cult of Mithras is there. There are vampires. There are wizards. And it is it follows these four characters as they kind of get caught up in it, it seems like it's going to be this big like empire spanning novel and then it continues to narrow down into just like how are these four people changing the course of history by putting Richard III on the English throne. It is I'm like a huge AP Euro nerd. I'm a huge Shakespeare nerd. It has a shitload of both of those things wrapped up in it. It's so much fun. The writing is astounding. It's so smart. It's full of in-jokes. And it's just like, I've never seen a writer do the thing successfully before until John Ford, where he manages to like do a huge plot point in the space of a sentence or a paragraph Mm -hmm. and keep going. And you follow it along. It's not like you two pages later are like, wait a minute, this person's dead. How? What? It just the his economy of language, both in terms of when he's able to be concise and when he's able to go super maximalist. Mm -hmm. That alone is astounding. And then it's also just like a fucking killer alternate history. Um, Man, I just I truly I, I finished the book and I was like, I would I'd like to applaud. And maybe mm-hmm. that's just because I haven't been to the theater in six and a half months. Maybe because you're going slightly insane in general. Yeah. But you know what? I'm embracing it nevertheless. <laughs> Blazeball forever. Blazeball <laughs> and dragons. All right. Dragons? Well, I guess that's I have fun. to get back to packing. Oh, yeah. You're moving. Yeah. I'm staying the same. I'm never changing. Aren't we all moving? And aren't we all staying the same? Uh, I don't know, but what Let we should do is go by. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, go to our. Obviously, we deserve a lot of money, so yep. go to Patreon.com/smdb if you want to. I'm gonna take that again. Feed my baseball habit. And the way that you can give us money is going to patreon.com slash smdb if you want to redistribute the wealth in that way um all uh, you can also go to our website if you want to see any of the books that we've talked about some of the damn books.com each episode has its own page you can also go to the damn bar to look for any recipes for any cocktail that you're interested in trying and find us on social media you in um the comment section on the tournament of books we read it all we might not say much these days but yeah although we're very now, we're very present you know it's uh what else we gotta do so true so true all right well caca to you 
and a cacati user. 